You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. Our guest today, Mike Bassane, has spent nine years on the Napa Planning Commission. He has seen a lot of projects come and go during that period. Everything from Napa Pipe to Walt Ranch to debates about helicopters and some projects older than that, some things that we've forgotten about along the way. He is leaving the Planning Commission. In fact, last week was his last meeting, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to have Mike here with us to look back at the nine years he spent on the Planning Commission, talk a little bit about what he's going to do next, and more importantly, about what he has seen change and grow during those nine years. Mike Bassane, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Nine years on the Planning Commission is a long time. What are you going to do with your Wednesdays now? (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm sure I'll find something to fill the gap. <laughs> There's always something to do. Seriously, why now? Why did you want to uh, leave the Planning Commission at this point? Well, firstly, I need to let you know I'm not disgruntled. And uh, I'd like to think that I'm leaving on a good note. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I write my tell-all story, uh, just know that you'll have the exclusive. <laughs> but you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say that... Uh, Although there are people in public service who may have served longer than my nine years uh, in their respective positions, it really was time for me to move on and allow other people to have a chance to put their signature on the process and provide a new perspective. And I know whoever is picked to replace me uh, the change can be healthy and that the new leader will be most likely the right person at the right time. But it was really time for me to move on and look at other options. Uh, certainly moving forward, I may uh, take a break, but I'm interested in community service and in pursuing possibly other commission positions and or board positions. I haven't ruled out the possibility of running for office down the road, but I'm not sure what or when. You've considered running for office. It's been widely reported over the years, and in fact, I think made a run for the appointed council seat when uh, Alfredo Pedroza left the the city council. Talk a little bit about uh, your interest in in public service and, and really your desire to continue to stay involved and the possibility that you might run for elected office at some point. Certainly. Well, I like to think that it's not ego-driven. I sincerely believe that public service is a commitment to serve the community uh, that you live in and to do so faithfully. And I was raised in a family where public service was non-negotiable. And that really was both on my dad's side, my mom's side, they were involved in any number of different activities that included uh, both government and uh, private sector uh, uh, activities that, that supported the community. So it, it's, I would say it's been in my DNA. Uh, I did uh, move to Napa 35 years ago, and I've been involved in a number of different nonprofit boards, uh, certainly related to uh, my kids growing up, but also uh, giving back to uh, youth and uh, being involved in uh, certainly the business community and so forth. 
but uh, I happen to really care for this community, and, and it's, it's interesting that when I left San Francisco 35 years ago and I moved to Napa as a young banker, uh, I did so because Napa had a wonderful sense of place. It certainly uh, was a community where, uh, you know, as it was reported in the Napa Register when I was interviewed, uh, that I believed that uh, it was a great place to get to know your neighbors and uh, certainly uh, raise your kids. And it's a community that uh, certainly, as I see it, uh, will continue to need guidance and commitment and if and when I do run for office, uh, I'd certainly like to have a hand in continuing to make decisions that influence outcomes in a positive way. Talk about the ways in which you've seen Napa change, both as somebody that's been here for 35 years, but also even in the nine years that you spent on the Planning Commission. A lot has changed, even in some of the areas you just touched on. Well, certainly. Uh, when I did first move here, uh, it, it felt like a very provincial community. And uh, if, if you didn't go to high school in Napa, you were sort of an outsider. And uh, I, I felt that immediately because I was involved in banking and it was for a small community bank, Napa Valley Bank. And, and so there were a number of people who had been born and raised in Napa who, who knew Napa from years gone by and were comparing and contrasting uh, the Napa of 1983 to the Napa of 1945. And so uh, certainly we've had this wonderful uh, sense of being a rural environment uh, where agriculture has, has influenced the economy and our behaviors. But uh, as is the case with any growing environment that uh, has multiple uh, uh, attractions, and in our case, uh, certainly, the tourist industry uh, continued to uh, evolve by virtue of the number of wineries that had been approved, uh, and certainly the proliferation of hotels and hospitality. The landscape began began to uh, to evolve and change and morph and accommodate more businesses, and it began to look more and more like a suburban environment uh, relative to the greater Bay Area rather than a, uh, a last frontier or a, a hamlet hidden in the, uh, <laughs> in the hinterlands. And uh, so we, we continue now and over the last nine years uh, to, to be influenced by, by outside forces. Uh, but now, of course, uh, we, we've become the outside force in many respects. Uh, we have certainly a, a much more uh, uh, abundant means of communicating and receiving information. And certainly we've been influenced by the advent of technology. And uh, needless to say, we are, we are uh, now uh, a community that has, I believe it's 50,000 more residents than we did in 1990. And uh, although we aren't the fastest growing region in the Bay Area, we we continue to, to grow and suffer the growing pains that uh, are representative of, of a, a healthy economy. When you look around Napa, talk about the ways in which you think as a county, and, and even in the city a little bit, but the ways in which we're better than we were 10, 15 years ago. Well, 
what what I have seen uh, that has continued to impress me, certainly on the the government side, is uh, an aspiration for best practices and uh, a sense of a need for continuous improvement and a need for uh, circumspection and and uh, review of of our behaviors. And uh, I think that. Uh, Certainly the people who we have in leadership positions in the county can, and in the cities can be attributed to that sense of continuous improvement and the higher bar that is set for, for our behaviors, whether it's uh, for design review relative to real estate development, uh, making sure that we're very, very thoughtful and deliberate about uh, how we, how we design our environment here. And clearly, uh, we have been one of the most regulated environments, I believe, in the in certainly uh, our agricultural watershed and preserve relative to any other county, relative to any other state, it seems, uh, where we, we've tried to continue to, to raise the bar, uh, perform the best practices, and make sure that what we've uh, we've set in terms of our vision and mission uh, that we've uh, we've achieved it and uh, or continue to to uh, work to achieve it and that may sound somewhat vague but uh, I, I certainly believe that all we have to do is really look around and see how uh, growth has been largely certainly in terms of housing has been largely uh, confined to the cities, uh, we've we've really uh, tried our very best to uh, execute the general plan as we've laid it uh, forth, and uh, certainly we revisit the general plan uh, frequently. Uh, and certainly, elements of it, uh, such uh, now as as the uh, most recently the, the county's uh, traffic circulation plan, uh, we try to to revisit these processes often and uh, therefore I believe we're, we're better at what we do and uh, it, it just seems looking back to that 35 year mark when I first arrived there wasn't the same level of uh, I would say care or enforcement relative to making sure that things were done right in the county and uh, i think i think we can we can certainly uh, be satisfied that that we're continuing to improve and do good things do you think there are ways in which things have gotten worse well you know certainly the the number one uh, uh i guess uh pain point that that uh, we suffer that is is most clear to us is that the 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 deleterious effect of success uh, is is most easily manifest in terms of traffic, uh, the lack of housing that we have available to our service community, as well as others who who uh, earn less than uh, uh, what it takes to purchase a home in our community, uh, and some would argue that certainly we've. Uh, We've come close to a tipping point with respect to uh, the number of wineries that have been approved in the county. 
And so the landscape, the visual landscape is very different from what it was many years ago. Uh, but that also includes not just structures, but it includes traffic. And uh, certainly we know that a, a large percentage of that traffic is not necessarily tourist-based, but relates to individuals who are commuting within within our roadways and that we aren't necessarily interested in putting a six-lane highway in place of Highway 29. We're, we're much more interested in preserving the rural character of our environment, and therefore we have multiple pinch points that cause that traffic to back up and make things uh, more difficult to move around. When you think back over those nine years, it's interesting you talk about a tipping point and some people that argue that there are too many wineries perhaps. Was there a point in those nine years when you realized that, that we had crossed the Rubicon, when, when we were moving in a certain direction, and that there was really no turning around at that point? Well, I, I would say that uh, you know, certainly looking back over nine years, uh, there were... I, I guess at this point, uh, close to 200 applications that I looked at, mm-hmm. and uh, the the behavior was such that we were certainly trying to uh, do our very best to make sure that we we vetted the agreements and, and proposals properly, uh, that we were uh, were certainly trying to uh, uh, make sure that. Uh, we we were doing the right thing, <laughs> and uh, I would say that the the activity began to uh, slow during the recessionary years, but then pick up uh, towards uh, maybe 2012, 2013, uh, and the sense that uh, there was perhaps more uh, disagreement or more pushback from uh, folks in our community who uh, may not have represented the majority, but certainly uh, represented dissatisfaction with the process. Uh, One particular application that comes to mind is the Yountville Hill application in Yountville, which as you may recall, it was about a 10-acre mm-hmm. uh, uh, project uh, that uh, would have possibly had to source grapes from other locations. It would have disturbed the view shed. And what I think became abundantly clear to me was, and the commission was split on this particular vote, as you may recall, but it was very clear to me that uh, the community was not necessarily at that point accepting or uh, comfortable at all with uh, this continued uh, approval of just any winery. And so the at that point, I remember that uh, we were certainly faced with, with a great deal of uh, vociferous <laughs> uh, uh, dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Talk about the way in which the Board of Supervisors itself, and the way you've seen it change. When you first got on the Planning Commission, it was a much older board. It was a very different board than the Board of Supervisors we have today. 
Yes, I, I certainly with uh, the uh, the election of Supervisor Gregory, Supervisor Pedrosa, and Supervisor uh, Ramos, uh, we've we've seen uh, great leadership. I believe that there has been uh, an employment of uh, social media sources, uh, uh, unlike uh, uh, we've seen in the past. Uh, they are engaged and engaging. Uh, they uh, try to uh, involve themselves in many, many activities in the community, certainly with respect to the wildfire that mm-hmm. occurred back in October. Uh, Belia Ramos was was uh, tested as uh, a community leader, stepped up to the challenge, and uh, was highly energized. Uh, really, uh, I think was was much more engaged than I had seen in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, part of that has to do, I think, with uh, with youthful energy. But I think also uh, just a, a, a great sense of commitment to the community, and uh, we're uh, we're certainly seeing uh, a strong effort to listen to community members. And uh, some may disagree, but but I continue to be impressed with uh, the effort that uh, all of our supervisors uh, make, but certainly uh, with regard to just sort of the sea change uh, that you're referring to, uh, I I think there's a much uh, higher level of engagement than there may have been in the past, or or not at all to disparage prior supervisors, because we've had some great leadership over the years, but but just uh, a a very active uh, sense of... uh, community engagement. And how is that filtered down to impact the planning commission? Well, you know, certainly uh, we, we have planning commission appointees and uh, yet uh, really the, uh, the newest one uh, is Joelle Gallagher. She's with uh, Brad Wagon Connect. She has, uh, She's she's a newer planning commissioner with a a more established uh, supervisor, mm-hmm. uh, but I w- I would say that one thing that has always impressed me is the objectivity that the board of supervisors uh, employs with the planning commission, the sense that uh, we we uh, uh, live with our decisions uh, as a planning commission, and uh, there's a high level of of uh, confidence that has uh, heretofore been there in in the members of the planning commission. Uh, so I would say that, uh, if anything, the uh, the relationships have been solid uh, between the planning commission and the supervisors, and if anything, the dialogue is there. Uh, but again, uh, the accountability is is really on the shoulders of the individual planning commissioners. What's frustrated you personally the most in in the job? Uh, well, it's interesting because certainly we've had marathon sessions, and and uh, you know that that comes with the territory, uh, and and the duration of any particular meeting uh, is is really a function of of the schedule. But uh, I think uh, we 
we have really benefited from a committed county staff who uh, has tried to get uh, reports into our hands at least uh, four or five days before any particular meeting. Uh, that isn't always possible. And certainly uh, one of the challenges is that we may get a data dump at the very last minute where we've, uh, we've had to ferret through uh, 200 pages at uh, you know, 11 o'clock the, the evening before the event. And you know, one may say that that also comes from, with the territory, but it, it really is, uh, I think, in many respects, a disservice to people who have to make the decisions. Uh, it, it, it may be unavoidable, uh, and certainly, uh, you know, I, again, I think it's, it's one of those things that, that comes with the territory, but uh, I would say that uh, what what we aspired to achieve was, uh, you know, more consistent distrib- distribution of information, uh, the ability to, to take our time to review uh, the applications, to perform the site visits, and to to do our homework so that we are the best that we can possibly be when it comes to that meeting day. Many of those document dumps that come at the last minute have often come from opponents of projects as a way to delay things. That's become almost a kind of tactic. Yeah, I well, uh, I you know I I would probably. Uh, use a more diplomatic word if I could, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it is a technique that, uh, that certainly isn't just employed in, in our, in our, uh, venue. It, it, it is something that, that I've certainly, uh, read about and seen used in other venues and it, it, it can certainly derail a project. Uh, and, and that's where we really have to use our sense of discernment and uh, whether or not we would need to continue a hearing, uh, whether or not we'd need to take an abundant reading break. Uh, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it can be used to, uh, to require the commission to take a step back and, and further digest what is going on. Do you have a sense that the debates about some of these projects, especially the more controversial ones, have gotten more mean-spirited, that they've gotten angrier, that they've gotten more personal? Some people have made that case lately. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's that's a very, a very good point. And uh, it seems to me that just given the tenor of our times, uh, we've seen more posturing. And, you know, some would argue that this preserves the balance of activity and keeps government in check. Uh, I think it's always been important to uh, to ask questions, but one just needs to be careful not to vilify, uh, or you know, whether it's whether it's an industry or individuals. Uh, and it seems to me that yes, uh, the behaviors have be for a period of time were were becoming more uh, pointed and directed uh, at individuals. And uh, and I think it, it quite possibly relates to a fear of change. Uh, I, I think that uh, again, sort of harking back to to our times, 
mm-hmm. the tenor of the times. Uh, I would say that uh, you know, on a more global level, politically, uh, we've, we've had more divisiveness, and that's really filtered down to the, the local level. And so we see this uh, now uh, in Measure C, where uh, we, we have folks who are uh, certainly not hesitant to uh, be passionate or uh, uh, express uh, in a very emotional way their perspective, uh, but it, uh, it's such that uh, we, we certainly shouldn't be attacking uh, individuals uh, by virtue of having a different perspective. Regardless of how Measure C turns out, there are a lot of people that are saying that this is some kind of a turning point. Do you see that, or is that just part of the heated rhetoric of the moment? Uh, I would I would tend to uh, agree with the latter. I, I think that uh, you know, we're we're certainly at a point where we continue to, uh, over time, try to tweak this process of evaluating best practices. And uh, yes, we we are experiencing greater levels of traffic. We are experiencing uh, more development in the county. There is this concern that our watershed uh, is being challenged, the quality of our, our water, and so forth. But uh, I also think that uh, certainly we're uh, we're looking at a perspective that is just uh, simply challenging the status quo. And again, getting back to uh, uh, really uh, you know, the, the notion of tweaking and, and uh, employing best practices, uh, we continue to be one of the most highly regulated uh, agricultural environments again, if not in the state, in the nation. And so to see uh, uh, Measure C pass at this point, I think potentially uh, it, uh, it would not be based in fact. And certainly we've, we've heard any number of uh, arguments against it by virtue of the, the, uh, the multiple uh, uh, media touches. But I, I really feel at this point that uh, it's, it's overkill. What are you going to miss most about being on the Planning Commission, Mike? Well, certainly uh, I have a very high level of respect for my colleagues on the Commission, and uh, I've really enjoyed being part of the uh, decision-making process that does influence outcomes in the county, uh, and it has been a pleasure working with my colleagues. Uh, I would say it's certainly been uh, it's certainly been a pleasure being engaged with the public and uh, hearing uh, perspectives uh, on all sides of the equation. And I, I've, I've developed a, also a healthy respect for uh, the opinions of others and uh, the importance of listening. And uh, I, I will miss those relationships, uh, and I just hope to rekindle them uh, as I uh, pursue other opportunities. Talk about, uh, finally, the switch you made. I mean, you were involved in finance and banking for many, many years and, and, and got involved in the public service aspects we talked about before. 
Talk about the skills that have been, first of all, coextensive to both, and really the learning curve that, that you may still be on in terms of understanding all of this. Well, uh, you know, uh, again, going back to my banking career, that, that evolved into a consulting career uh, where I uh, had worked for a company called the Rainier Group out of Bellevue, Washington. And uh, then, of course, we went through the uh, the trials and tribulations. I like to say I, I was a happy participant in the Great Recession. And uh, that, uh, that also uh, allowed me to be a business advisor uh, with the Small Business Development Center at Nap Valley College. Uh, and I still am a business uh, advisor with uh, Nap Valley College and the Small Business Deve- Development Center and, and the Small Business Administration. But I think that, uh, you know, in terms of the skill set, it, it, it really relates to uh, one's ability to to be a trusted advisor and to, to listen, uh, to be able to strategize, to be able to, uh, to provide solutions to, to problems. Uh, you know, the banking background, the MBA, uh, certainly the, the, uh, the business advisor activities has, has given me a great sense of the numbers. And, uh, you know, I understand, uh, certainly, finance, uh, but I, I also uh, really feel that uh, as, I, as I move forward, uh, as, as I continue to morph and age myself, uh, <laughs> that uh, I, I, would, I would want to be viewed as someone who can be a great advocate and someone who can uh, also be a great friend, but, but really uh, somebody who is committed to the health of our community. And are there any votes as you look back on those nine years? Are there votes that you wish, gee, I wish I could do that again, things you'd like to take back? <laughs> well, uh, there are always things that we like to take back. Uh, however, uh, I would say that uh, I, I, I really feel that, uh, you know, sort of relative to what we were talking about with, with the Aunt Bill Hill, uh, that was, that was a, a very, very challenging uh, questioned decision and uh, I, I think you know certainly given new circumstances and or information that the vote may have been different uh, I, I you know I'm, I'm second guessing myself at this point uh, but I, I, I do believe that uh, we can always be better at what we do we can't always control uh, the outcome uh, but we certainly uh, can do uh, do our our best to to make sure uh, that we're we're working uh, within uh, what we can control, and uh, so uh, I I do believe that with every decision that that we've made, we we put the the uh, the sweat into it and the elbow grease, and you know, we we may have ended up being a bit bruised in the process. Uh, <laughs> Individually, but uh, you know, regardless of what the decisions are, but uh, it's it's been a uh, a fun and great experience. What was the most contentious experience? The most contentious debate that that you were part of on there? Golly, it, it seemed that there were quite a few. <laughs> uh, I uh, I would say that uh, you know, in recent years. Uh, the Mountain Peak Winery really, uh, really brought out 
uh, a great deal of, of uh, just very disturbed, uh, very emotional residents who felt that enough was enough. And, uh, uh, and I felt that, uh, you know, certainly those concerns were, were justified uh, in many respects. Uh, but I would I would say that that is certainly a, a, an application that stood out. Mike Bussain, I thank you so much for spending time with us and uh, tripping down memory lane a little bit with us. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.